Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Hotbody Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney, so what? Welcome along to the Friday episode. Um, I think it's going to be a hammock day today, Sam. Yeah. It feels very hammocky out there today. Um, it looks hammocky, I had a conversation. Yeah. I had a conversation on my doorstep earlier with my brother, who popped round. Mm. And I had the sun blazing on my face. And that sun's going to be what over the back later on, and it feels very hammocky. So uh, just sort yeah. of give you an update there. Did you manage to locate well, a frame for your hammock? Am... Well, no, that's what I was about to say. I've, like, I've had that hammock that I told you about for like so many years now. Mm. And I think now's the summer that I just get a frame. Now, I don't need a frame specific to the hammock I have. Obviously, do I? A frame's a frame. I guess so. I guess that the hammock bed length is generic. I don't know. I would check yeah, it. Yeah, or even if not, there's like string at either end of the hammock, right? Yeah. That you use for tying, and that's obviously adjustable. Yeah. I mean, the one I've got, the the string at each end is like in a kind of a rope loop, and you just hang it over the, the little hooks on the frame. You don't need to... You don't need to know special knots like sailors or Boy Scouts, do you? I don't need to know that, no. I've just got a ready-made knot, Thank like God. a loop, a rope loop. But I don't know, because I if mean, you get I, a frame that's too... Tie, I, don't, I use rabbit ears to tie my shoelaces, mate. Mm, that's well, how bad at knotting single, I am. Do you do double knots? Can you do Always, double knots? yeah. You do double yeah, knots. Yeah, why fuck about You know me. I'm yeah. not all or nothing. Belt and I'm not the sort of cunt who does like fucking a single knot and hopes for the best. <laughs> Double. I'll do a fucking triple knot if I've got enough lace there, mate. <laughs> I've got enough fucking lace. Yeah, I mean, if you get a frame that's too long for your hammock, it's just going to be lying flat and tight and taut, <laughs> and you'll just be yeah. like springing up and down gently on it. Um, but if you get the one that's I'm... too short, you're going to be like, your ass will be touching the floor. And again, that's not good either. So... Well, I'm I'm going to go, I'll I'll err on the size of caution. I don't want a massive hammock thing either way. I'm Mm -hmm. going to, yeah, I'm going to go on Amazon. I've had a look around. They start at about 50 quid and you can go up to all sorts of crazy money if you get one made out of gold or something. (laughs) But I think I'm going to go entry level. Yeah. Yeah, you'll get, you'll sort it out. You're a bright fella. You'll sort it out. Um, yeah. Listen, a while ago when you were talking about that um, book launch that you went to, was it Gordon Byrne? Had written yeah, a Gordon book? Byrne, yeah. It was. Yeah. I was just sorting some stuff out earlier and I came across this that I bought a while ago and I forgot I'd bought it. Quite topical. Written by Gordon Byrne. It's called oh, Pocket Money and it's yeah. from 1986 and the subtitle of it is Bad Boys, Business Heads and Boom Time Snooker. Oh, oh, this is going to be so good. It'll be a great read. Obviously, that's a great title and subtitle yeah. and just a great subject for a book. But 
He's also, you're in good hands with it's him Gordon because Byrne. He, know, he knew his stuff, didn't he? Oh, yeah, it's Gordon Byrne. He's good a writer. Or he was. Uh, and it mm. looks behind the scenes at Barry Hearn's exclusive matchroom team. Steve Davis, Dennis Taylor, Tony Mayo and the like. Oh, this is going <laughs> to hey, be good. Don't you think it's like someone needs to make a film of those he- glory days of 80s snooker, like a dramatisation with they an did. all-star cast? They did. Did yeah. they? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was one on BBC One a couple of years ago. I think it was based around Steve Davis's breakthrough story. Steve Davis's origin story, if you like. Origin story. Mm. But, uh, yeah. yeah. It's I mean, sort of like the Marvel Universe, isn't it? The snooker universe. Yeah. Like, you know, like how it's sort of, you know, you have s- s- snooker snookerists assemble. Yeah. Right? And you yeah. have all these spin-offs and they all have their own individual origin stories, but then sometimes they operate together in a gang, a crime-fighting gang. Different powers. Yeah, one's really good yeah. at safety play. Another one's really good at long pots. Yeah, yeah, and they they also <laughs> do have like proper superhero nicknames like the Whirlwind and Hurricane. They do. They do. Steve <laughs> boring. Steve Steve Davis's um, superpower is being boring. Although, yeah. of course, ironically, he wasn't boring. No, he was and still isn't. He's, he was he's really very, interesting. Very uh, intriguing fella. Yeah, I mean, my favourite snooker nickname is Mark Selby, who is the Jester from Leicester. No, and I've, I've I've never seen Mark Selby say or do anything that that's comparable to the work of a jester. He's never come out in one of those hats that's got the little spikes yeah. coming at the top with the bells on, or he's never yeah. waved a comedy stick or anything like that, or wore slippers with the curled up toes at the ends. Like um, what's he called from uh, Rent a Ghost, Mr. Claypool? Mr. He's never Claypool. done any of that sort of thing. Another like thing it, that though. they love to do, jesters, is they have a small puppet effigy of themselves. <laughs> yes, they do. Don't they? They do. On a stick, and they sort of prance about with that. And i tell you who else went in for that is um, Prince in Purple Rain. He has a small puppet of himself who he yeah. communicates with. Yeah, Little Prince. Um, and of little course, Prince, yeah. And, of course, Frank Sidebottom. That was Frank Sidebottom's genius that he had Little Frank that little was just a, a head on a stick with a cardboard suit. <laughs> Again, Jesters. if you haven't recommended it before, I think it's on Sky Arts, the Frank Sidebottom uh, documentary. Oh, uh, I say it's, it's great. I mean, it's quite, it's quite a melancholy tale in is, some ways. Yeah. I, I felt quite sad watching it. Oh, well, right at the end, yeah. We'll not give any spoilers away, but it's uh, Chris Seavey, of course, was the fellow who was Frank Sidebottom. So it's not just about the Frank Sidebottom thing; it's about Chris's whole. Um, life and work and, yeah uh, and, and it was almost like this thing where he felt you know he obviously was a man fizzing with creativity and yeah. ideas right like us and you know like a, a genius I guess and like then us. He, but what he re- what he really wanted to be was a pop star yeah. right yeah. and I heard some of his songs and he was like obviously he was talented at right he knew pop music but mm. it obviously just wasn't the right kind of the right time didn't yeah, hit the simple, right time, it? wasn't fashionable, whatever. And then he starts doing this as a funny sideline and it takes off, but it never quite sat well with him that Frank no. Sidebottom was so popular because he felt this isn't what I was destined for. This is, I don't know whether he thought it was undignified, but it did make me think of what I said last night after we finished doing Brown Show, Brown John, that, you know, there was a time in my life when I was a younger man where I probably had quite grandiose ambitions for yeah. myself. And it did occur to me that last night I earned some money 
um, that effectively people gave to us. Out, I mean, it's almost pity pay. Yeah. And I spent a lot of it dancing to mm. the Macarena as yeah. performed by a mechanical monkey that you had bought on eBay. That's right. That's right um, yeah. um, um, uh, similar to the one my dad had owned in the 90s. And I thought, I'm 46 now. And dancing for coins. Can I honestly say this is how I thought life would turn out for me? No. But if you told, if you told, <laughs> then again, I wonder if I'd gone back in a time machine to my 16 year old self and say, right, cunt, have a look at this. This is how you're going to be earning your coin yeah. in like 30 years' time. I probably would have thought, yeah, good. Well, exactly, yeah. I mean, it's not what you'd call a proper job, but... Uh... and But if you'd asked me when I was 26, 10 years later, I think I would have been a bit disappointed. But mm. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. I sometimes think about at what stage in my life was I the most cuntish? <laughs> I don't mean a particular instant, like, oh, it was that day I did this or whatever. I just mean what era... And mm. I think in my 20s, mid-20s, mm-hmm. mid to late 20s, I think that was when I probably, if I look back on my life so far, that was the era in which I would least like myself today. But that was when you were in the whole media whirlwind, though, wasn't it? And yet, let's face it, you had some stimulants in your life that would have contributed oh, well, to that. Funny enough, I, but yeah, I mean, I would have been, in my 20s, I don't think... I mean, depends how you define problem. In my 20s, I would have regarded myself as someone who went out and got trashed a lot, but mm. it was all under control. Mm. It was in my... Thir- and, and that's the thing with addiction, is that if you have been the sort of person, like so many of us are, who just grew up from quite an early age getting battered, yeah. then it's very normalised. And yeah. and that wasn't... That's most... I, I would say... I would guess most blokes listening to this now, and, and women... Of you know, certainly ones of our generation, wherever you grew up, whatever your background was, or whatever. I just think, you know, we just fucking started getting at the very least pissed mm. at like quite a young age, mm. and everyone you knew and gravitated towards was also someone who liked getting pissed, yeah. and then you're just getting pissed, and then and then many of us like you know progressing to drugs of various sorts, and then you just think this is fucking normal. This isn't weird at all that I get pretty. Trash three or four times yeah. a week, and at least two of those nights involved narcotics. And then suddenly, when I was, you know, 36, 37, suddenly, like, bang, mate, you're out. This is a problem now. You can't stop, and you're doing it all fucking hours. You didn't see that coming. Anyway, that aside, I don't think I was at my peak of that sort of misbehavior in my 20s. But I do think that I was overly ambitious and probably sneery and judgmental at times, and also really not employing the just rest philosophy i was at my yeah, least just yeah. rest philosophy i was the sort of cunt who would have just said not to other people necessarily but in my head yeah i'm fucking working all the time i'm fucking working round the fucking clock yeah and that's because i'm fucking important see yeah you do you do have that though i think a lot of people do have that in their 20s they have that sense of what you've termed superiority where you sneer mm. at other people for their sort of you beliefs you judge at a lot of people uh, and, and you judge at people older you judge people older than you a lot don't you still do mm. it but I find myself checking myself when I do it thinking yeah, do you know what I yeah. mean like there's this constant thing on Twitter whenever people talk about Mrs Brown's boys 
and they oh, use yeah. it as a kind of a cipher for people who are yeah. less superior than than the, the poorster. Is the night some people use that as their ninety seven percent radar, yeah, don't yeah. they? Yeah, I mean, I know we talk about the ninety seven percent, but that would be mm. probably the, the the TV program of the ninety seven percent. And yeah. I just think, well, you know, it's not for you and Mrs. Brown's yes. boys. It's not for me, but it's for yes. people who, you know. There's a lot of comedy around now which doesn't have any jokes in it, for whatever yes. reason. There's this this the genre of what's well, comedy drama, but it's made mm. by the comedy department. And I mean, I'm thinking of things like Fleabag was one I think. Fleabag, um, Inside Number Nine for me doesn't have enough mm. laughs in it to justify mm. being made by the BBC comedy department. Whereas Mrs. Brown's Boys, there's gags on every page, and that's for me. Mm. Is that that's what comedy is? It's not meant to make you think yeah. about. Hmm, this character, yes, this character has depths and I'm seeing a kind of melancholy yeah. there and all this sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, and, listen, you know, I, I've never seen Mrs. Brown's Boys, but I've seen I've seen clips of it and to me, I just think, well, you know, like, it, I, I don't know, I suppose <clears throat> it, in my mind, I might be wrong about this, it fits into the genre of people like um, Dick Emery, right? It's, yeah, Doing it's like an up pantomime. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, add up pantomime, right? So I'm like, fine, loads of people like it and I tell you what else as well, right? In the 70s, I mean, we were kids, but I know this because my dad's told me and stuff. So in the 70s, right, people were into like, people who thought they were cool Mm. would have been really into like Monty Python. And to be honest, during that era when Monty Python and various other sort of like boundary pushing. And actually in the 80s when we were kids, right, this is true as well. When alternative comedy came in, so people loved The Young Ones or yeah. Comic Strip Presents and all of that, a lot of people would have who were, who were young and student-y would have regarded the classics that we now regard as classics, such as Dad's Army, Porridge, yeah, yeah. Rising Damp, even Only <clears throat> Falls. They would have thought, ah, oh, that's naff. That's mm. shit, that's all. Yeah. Because it was too fucking mainstream and it wasn't smug enough and there wasn't any in-jokes that you yeah. had to be clever to get, right? Yeah. And so part, so that's why I hesitate to judge things harshly like Mrs. Brown's Boys because I think, well, it's just comedy comedy. Yeah. I, I haven't spent the time to watch it, but I've got enough to watch. I used to <laughs> I used to watch, I didn't used to love, but I used to watch Heidi High when it was on when I was a kid because yeah. it was on primetime and there was only fucking three yeah. channels or four channels. So you watched yeah, whatever was too, on. yeah. And I was into it, but then I kind of grew up and thought, oh, Heidi High was shit, really, because yeah, the young yeah. ones came along and all that sort of thing. I've been watching exactly, Heidi High yeah. recently on Gold when it gets repeated. Yeah. It is fucking brilliant. Heidi High yeah. is fucking brilliant. It was written well, by the, the fellas who did Dad's Army. These shows were like fucking yeah. masters. Yeah, it was Croft and Perry. And like you said, they, they were jokes into fucking everything, which a lot of, you know, people don't. You know, and so and it was, a, think, yeah. it was the jokes, it was the jokes, and it's the characterizations of the characters as well, and the plots yeah. and the little bits of th- stuff that's going on between all the characters. See, that's what it's I think about great. Carry On. That's why I'm such a huge Carry On fan. Now you are as well. Is that people think it's just a load of knob gags or yeah. boob gags or whatever, which which it is. And a lot of it. All is. the better for it. All the better for it. But the real essence of what's brilliant is that the archetypes that they capture in. Mm. Uh, in it are just fucking spot on and beautiful. Like the archetypal British fucking characteristics and all the different sort of like types of person you get in any given situation, whether it was back then in the 60s and 70s or today, it's fucking knockout. It's a lot more satirical than you give it credit for, isn't it? 
when you watch them back exactly again now. Right. But and then so when we were younger, when we were younger, hmm. we didn't have that appreciation. We didn't have that sensibility to be able to see those characterizations and that yeah. that sort of thing. Well, we just laughed at the old guys. I think that you're. I think generally speaking, in my twenties, I was a lot less open-minded and sympathetic <clears throat> than I am yeah. now. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm perfect now. Like you say, I'm the same. I, I catch myself judging people all the time, but at least I'm fucking aware of it. Before, if someone says, you're a bit judgy, judging those people, I'd be going, yeah, I am fucking judgy because I'm right and they're wrong. Mm. Whereas now I'm like, yeah, I'm a bit of a judgy cunt, aren't I? I mean, fucking hell. What's it got to do with you? Different sort of thing. shit yeah. going on. Just fucking leave yeah. people alone and get on with it. If it makes them yeah. happy, who they hurt? Nobody. Let them get on with it. Yeah. But, but, yeah, we all need reminding of that. I had a Twitter <clears throat> spat with one of our listeners and um, threatened to knock him out on Twitter the other day. And I thought, fucking hell, that's weird. Where did that come from? <laughs> right? Because it was only about football. And um, and in the end, it was quite nice, actually. It was a nice little parable because we made it up with each other via that's direct nice. message. And both, he's about my age. And so we, and, and I think also a dad. So it was like one of those things where we both sort of like went, fucking hell, that was weird. We're just two grown men who threatened to have a fight over a, di- a minor disagreement to do with a child's game. Strange. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, and then That's I shared a thing though. I'd written for, mm. for the reset in which I had sort of gone to people, hey man, stop engaging with people online because it's not good for your mental health. Like, in the old days when I was still drinking, I would get involved in ridiculous situations where I would almost arrange to fight someone, Mm. right? And I'd written this just a couple of months ago. And then, only this week, I did that exact thing. So, I uh, that's the other thing. I I relish pointing out hypocrisy in myself. Yeah, of course. Because this is the thing, if you can it, see that, you know I mean, we're all, everyone's a hypocrite. Don't yeah. fucking don't use hypocrisy as a as a reason to attack someone. Exactly, exactly. It, it's a strength to be able to identify that in yourself and realise just what a cunt we all are, really deep down. Yeah, I'm fucking right, cunt. I'm never <laughs> practice what <laughs> I preach, are. but I'm a work in progress, mate. Progress, not perfection, Everybody is what is. I'm interested in. No one's ever the finished article. I was actually I saw a thing that Gary Lineker had said the other day, a local resident of yours. And yeah. fellow member of your local Lo- media club. Local hard man, Gary. Yeah, local hard man, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd uh, been walking past your street the other day and saw the Lens poster in the window about the Super League and then disassociated yeah. himself from it. Um, <laughs> yeah, Lineker was talking about Twitter and he said his, his, his tw- rules of Twitter are he never tweets when he's been drinking, he never yeah. tweets when he's angry, and yeah. every tweet before he sends it, he looks at it and thinks about it. And if there's even 1% of doubt about what he's about to say and what the consequences mm. could be. He says he deletes it. So I'm surprised well, that he even tweets I, I, it all, really. I think if you, if you, yeah, I mean, if that, if I practice that, I'd just literally never tweet really. But the thing is, he's got a lot more riding on it than a lot of us. I mean, Absolutely. every time any of us fucking put anything on Twitter, we are putting our neck on the line. And yeah. in many ways, it's pointless being on there because the risks far outweigh the benefits. Hey, right. a, a, but a if good you're friend Gary of mine, Lineker, that's if that's if you're anyone. But if you're fucking yeah. Lineker, yeah. you have got so much to fucking lose being on Twitter, and that's why I admire the bloke even more. Yeah, because he often sticks his neck out and says things that he knows he's going to get shit for, but because they mean a lot to him, and he knows that people. If you look at some of the people who are at the very top of their fucking game, particularly in broadcasting the media, who overnight in a matter of hours have been dumped out on their ass for good. Right. For yeah. a, a, I mean, if you look at what happened to Danny Baker, right? 
Yeah. I mean, Danny Baker has been all right since then, but he was in the eye of a fucking storm over, um, I mean, you know, what I don't want to get into the ins and outs of it, but basically a tweet, a tweet that he posted in haste with maybe not thinking through, but then again, you just never know how people are going to react. Fucking Gary Lineker, I think, is the best paid person on air talent at the BBC, mm. and he's got fucking work and money coming out of his ears, and he is one tweet away. Every time he tweets... Mm. That could be the last fucking point of his showbiz career. Jalapeño. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you wouldn't be hearing this brief but annoying message if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your tits. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Jalapeño. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jalapeño. A friend of mine once said, there is absolutely no reason for anybody in the public eye to be on social media. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. true because once you are in the public eye and you're established, what are you going to get from being on Twitter? What are you going to gain from it? You might get a plug, well, whatever no, project you're doing. It's a promotional. It's good for it a pro- as a promotional it is. tool. As long as you're on there, just and you just promote the things that you're doing, then you just get I seen try. as someone that promotes stuff. Once you start yeah. seeing things and having opinions and stuff like that, you, you said you run the risk. You could be just one sentence away from being finished. Yeah. The pro- the problem is, I I a few years ago thought right, and I would say openly, I use it only for self promotion. All social media self promotion, and I make no apologies for that because. Listen, this is how you make a living. If you create content, to use a pretentious phrase, which whether we're doing this or when I was doing my radio show or, or I've written an article for someone, you have to fucking, it's the world we live in, you have to get out. There's no point doing it and not telling any cunt about it. Yeah. And this is the easiest way to do it. But then if, you don't, if you're only posting effectively ads for your own work, then in a way people might disengage from your account and therefore off, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's ineffective anyway. Yeah. So it's, I suppose it's, um, it's a bit of a, uh, it's a bit of a balancing it, act, but yeah, I try to thing? only, I, I try know. to only, uh, self promote, self promote, self promote, self promote, self promote. <laughs> I'm just trying I'm to thinking of even, mate, I'm even thinking of starting up a new, look at me, what? Instagram account, because I have a lot, a new Instagram one, account because I, what? <laughs> Well, because I share, I've I've got an Instagram account, but it's locked, and I don't. Uh, and on the whole, it's family or people right. I know pretty well oh, who right, I okay. allow in. Oh, because, well, I'm you in know, that. That's nice. Uh, oh, yeah, I see you're, your, you're in the your, circle your of posts. trust, mate. Thank you very because much. it's family stuff and things like that. And I, I just like to feel think more that I'm family, Sam. I like to think that yeah, I'm family. Exactly. I'm like a weird Uncle northern Andy, cousin. My kids call you right, what? even though they've never met you, Uncle Andy. I <laughs> love it. Yeah, <laughs> um, and so. Uh, hey, hey! It's it's thanks to Uncle Andy and it, oh. and his and his sterling work with Dad that we get to go to the Isle of Wight three times a year. <laughs> well, Uncle right. Andy up up there in the north. 
<laughs> with his tin can but, and bit um, of string. That's how they pitch you, probably. Yeah, I'm happy but with that. The the um, yeah the uh, oh, I can't fucking remember. Oh yeah, so I think they're <laughs> setting a new one for the reset. That you All know, right, yeah. But I'm I'm not really Give, a big Instagram just, sort of bloke, just, mate. Have, have thirty seconds there, Sam, and just tell us a bit more about the reset because a lot of the listeners probably don't know what it is. So you just mentioned it. The twice reset. There. The reset is a the reset is a lonely <laughs> child. Sorry, I do <laughs> always find myself saying that. Seriously, <laughs> when I write, because on a Friday I'll be doing it later today, I write a little letter about mental health and addiction <laughs> for people to my right? audience. Yes. Now listen to me. This is how you should behave if you want to remain sane. And then I come <laughs> like off and me. do the exact fucking opposite <laughs> of what I've just told every cunt. Right. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a mental health newsletter that I publish on Substack. And you can get it at uh, samdelaney.substack.com. And it goes out every Friday. And there's also a podcast which usually goes out on Wednesdays when I can be bothered. Um, and uh, actually, Alistair Campbell's coming on it next week. Oh, nice one. That might be a good one. Fam- famously, um, I'm going to say mad there, but not mad. He's famously, famously suffered, insane, Alistair. Famously <laughs> suffered from um, depression, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, but he's, he's, he, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's hardly an exclusive, but he's always an interesting person to chat to. Here's an I mean, opinion I've got. He's, he's always got, on about his depression, but he's quite good about it, you know. Here's an opinion I've got as a, a long, a lifelong labour voter, looking at the yeah. kind of travails that Keir Starmer's going through at the minute, trying to establish himself as a credible yeah. opposition leader. Um, and I don't think it's particularly Starmer's problem. I think it's the people he's got working with him. And there's a fucking lot to be said for the likes of fucking monsters like Campbell and like yeah. Peter Mandelson. They got mm. Labour elected yeah. in ninety seven. There's a lot to be said for people like that who were completely fucking on it to the point of near obsession. And I don't yeah. think there's any well, of that I'm, going on in Labour now. In a, just to do another bit of self-promotion in my book, Mad Men and Bad Men, which is about <laughs> the way in which uh, parties ran their election campaigns from a communications point of view. When you when when I, you know, I interviewed all those guys, Philip Gould as well, who's now dead. But Mandelson in particular, the way they fucking operated from the moment they took Mandelson, got the job as head of communications, right? And I know there'll be a lot of people listening who hate Pete Mandelson, hate Labour, but I'm not talking, just forget about that. I'm just talking about the way in which you fucking run these things. It's like, it's all, it, you've got to be fucking all in or nothing at all, right? Yeah. And that was his attitude. And before then, the Labour Party had sort of been run by committee and it never really made any fucking proper decisions and it was all full of compromises and it was all fucking bound yeah. up in bureaucracy, right? Yeah. And he's just like, look, either we're here to get elected or we're not. And yeah. if we are, then I'm going to start fucking calling the shots here, you cunts. And we are never going to sleep. And they had that rapid response unit in the election campaign, which meant that they had a whole unit of young brainiac people. Yeah who the moment any Tory fucking MP, anyway, and this was before you could have Google alerts, mm. right? This is in the 97 election. Anyone said anything critical or picked but, uh, picked anything about that or made a claim about their policies or their manifesto, they would be alerted to it mm. and they would produce a response, a robust mm. response, like grounded in fact and all the rest of it and have it spread out before the fucking words were even out of their critics' mouth. Yeah. Now... I'm not being party political and saying, isn't that great? You Labour got elected. 
But what I am saying is, yeah, you've got to just have fucking... You've got to be on that shit. You've got to be it all works. over that shit. And I mean, the, the social media of Labour at the minute should be absolutely beasting the Tories in terms yeah. of what they're doing and the stuff that's coming out about Cameron and lobbying and all that. But I don't, I'm not seeing any of it. I'm, this should be absolutely fucking mauling them. Time was they. Time was you and I could have done a job for them on that front. Yeah. I mean, I have worked with them, as you know. I've done stuff for them in the past, but I'm not really a party person anymore. No, we've we've, we've really, put our cards on the table. I'm a free we spirit. are we are either going to be joint prime ministers like Julia and Roy Evans, or we're not doing yeah. it at all. It's that. It's that. Yeah, or that's my attitude. I'm not. I'm not fucking. I've done all sorts of work for that lot over the years, and. <laughs> They take uh, for a start. They take you for granted, right? Oh, and that's sad. No, no one should uh, ever take well, you for granted, Sam. Listen, listen, you know I'm a sensitive man, you and are. I need I need acknowledgement, validation. Right? Right. <laughs> I demand acknowledgement. It's not about money, Andy. It's no. just about how should I put it? Praise, effusive yeah. praise. That's all I want. Even Is that so much to ask? Yeah. I, I just want effusive praise and gratitude for head. any contribution yeah. I make. Yeah, of course you do. And a, oh, a sticker. How much does a sticker cost? Say, a well done. A lollipop, perhaps uh, as well. Yeah, I got my uh, AstraZeneca this morning, mate. I was oh, so yeah. delighted with the sticker they gave me. You can imagine. I never got I the sticker. Fucking, oh, I never got the I sticker. I loved it. Everyone is. I know it's a bit of a cliche. Oh, thank you so much to our volunteers. They're so wonderful. But they really were a right laugh. Mm. I had a fucking great time down there for my eight twenty five jab. Yeah. I made several friends. It's a really good Life place because obviously, yeah. like a lot of men in their forties, um, um, don't have many mates. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't socialise at all. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this hey, this is a great place to make friends Meet because everyone people. here. Yeah is my age group because that's it. Yeah. That's who they're doing You're at the moment. They're doing the 45 pluses. I turned 46 last week and I looked around and I thought, oh, every other man here lives locally. Tick. Yeah. Is a man, so is probably interested in the same things as me, like <laughs> yeah, turpin and digging holes. Tick. <laughs> tick. And they're in my age group. Tick. tick. ding I well, brought my have... friendship bell. Did you have to go and sit in the waiting room afterwards to like... Um... No, you, Make sure no. you're okay. Because I, I had to think do they that. do that with Pfizer, but not AstraZeneca. No, they do it with AstraZeneca as well. If you're driving, you're not meant oh, to drive yeah. straight away. So you must have been on foot. Because I'd have thought in that waiting room, they probably got the Shine compilation CD on. For everyone yeah, they made it and they made it a real nineties vibe to make yeah, everyone Euro feel like oh, six kind of vibe. Macarena yeah. monkey, Euro ninety six yeah. on a screen in the corner and on a nineties TV. You get it done on St George's Day as well, so that ties in with the whole Euro ninety six vibe, doesn't it? Yeah, what a time yeah, to get yeah. jabbed. It was, uh, it was a, yeah, it's nineties day up at the Hossie. Now I had I made all sorts of friends. I flirted with the nurses. Well, of course. Um, yeah, just had a fucking great time nice, to be honest. Nice one. I mean, I got mine five weeks ago today, I think, but I kept it quiet because people older than me hadn't had theirs. And I think I got, mm. I used to have asthma when I was younger and I used to get right. a, an inhaler prescribed every year. And I think that's why I got slightly yeah, you're moved on the vulnerable the list. On the vulnerable list. I don't feel vulnerable. I really don't. And I wasn't going to say to them, are you sure you've got this right? Because I'm only 48. Because they might the have said, nod. actually, yeah, fuck off. So um, I, I kept quiet about it, but I had it five weeks ago. Listen, so I'm, I'm I went up there on Wednesday. Now. I got a text saying, do you want a fucking jab or not? And I went, yeah, yeah I do. Of course I was I on do. the ferry on the way back from Mile of White. So I went, yeah. And I said, I thought I'd selected, yeah, I'll be there. 
So I turn up on Wednesday. I get to the front of the queue. It's in a car park. Yeah. Right. I, I roll up my sleeve. I've done all the questions, everything. My sleeve is up. The needle yeah. is out. And it is an inch from my fucking shoulder. <laughs> and like something where you're crossing the border in a war film and a Nazi officer asks you no. for your papers. The admin woman goes, what did you say your name was again? Right. There's a nurse and then there's your mate. They look like the Pet Shop Boys or um, Sleaford Mods because one's got a laptop and the other one's got a syringe. Right. <laughs> one stands up and one sits down. That's the way they work here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And they go, yeah. So the one with the, the nurse is about to stick it in and the admin person going, what, so your name was said Sam Delaney, mate. And she's gone, oh, no, you're not here. It says unconfirmed. I was like, I fucking confirmed it. And she went, no, you didn't. And I was like, fuck. And I said, oh, come on. You're right there now. Stick it in. And no. the nurse went, no, we reverse need Reverse the mechanism. <laughs> yeah, they reversed the mechanism and they chucked me out of the fucking car park. I was fucking gutted. <laughs> So I had to rebook at a different hospital. I went there this morning at 8.25 and the geezer on that door said, what's your name? I gave him my name. He goes, nah, you're unconfirmed. I went, I'm oh, doing something what? wrong with this fucking system here. I fucked it up again. I said, I can't believe it. This happened to me the other day. And do you know what he did? He went, ah, don't worry, mate. Just go in. They'll, they'll do you anyway. That's the spirit. I thought, that's the fucking spirit. Not like this nurse the other day. She relished it. She went to me. She's lamparded me so badly. She went, I went, oh, sorry. I'm sorry if I wasted your time. I said, I mm. must have just done something wrong where I hadn't actually pressed the confirm button. But I will rebook and come back. And they went, okay, no problem, the admin person said. But then the nurse goes to me, yes, just make sure you do confirm next time because you do need to confirm. I fucking did. And I, I felt like saying, oh, do you? Oh, you need to confirm. Oh, I thought the old point was you didn't need to confirm. And it was just fucking guesswork. <laughs> I fucking said sorry. I've accepted the responsibility. But that's not enough for you, is it, love? You should have got a £20 order and got here. I'll get yourself a drink, Trinkle. <laughs> grease the, grease the wheel. <laughs> that's for your trouble. Yeah. That's for your trouble. Stick it in her top pocket like in Goodfellas. My mate told me that his power was up there and it got to the end of the day. And they said, look, we've got one jab left. Who was here first, right? Fucking hell. And this bloke goes, oh, it was him, talking to Blake in front of them. They go, all right, what's your doctor's surgery? And the geese goes, don't know. And they go, uh, what's the name of your doctor? He goes, don't know. And they go, "What's what? What do you live in this borough? And he goes, nah. And they go, well, what's your address? And he goes, I can't remember my full postcode, right? So in the end, they go, do you know what? We're going to give it to the other bloke, to the oh. guy I know, right? And the geezer who couldn't remember anything about his life, he barely <laughs> could remember his own name, he went fucking mental and started kicking off. He said, I've been there three fucking hours and you won't give me my jab just because I can't fucking remember my address, right? And the security had to come out. Wow. You know, like when someone kicks off on um, Jerry Springer. Yeah, or, yeah. Uh, and the security Jerry, comes in from the side maybe, and leads yeah, them so away. Some, yeah. They've got them, so watch out, because they're hiding. But if you're getting your jab, <laughs> they've got big guys, big fucking massive guys in T-shirts that say COVID security, <laughs> and they'll come out and they'll take you around the back and kick your head in. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, by order of the Prime Minister himself, right? He's gone, now, Jeff Boris Johnson's gone, listen, right? This fucking COVID stuff, we, got a, we can't fuck about. We've got 60 million people. 80 million, according to Noel Edmonds, who says that he's checked out our uh, population <laughs> figures and they're wrong, right? 
But whatever, we've got to get a lot of people fucking jammed. We can't have people causing trouble. Yeah. I don't want it to be a bad vibe, so I don't want the, the I don't want the security to be visible. But I want you to have a, a couple of big cunts, nasty mm. fuckers, hidden in a side room. And the moment you get a moment's trouble, I want them from me. I want this to come from the very top. You get the troublemaker. You discreetly take them round the back of the bins if there's a, a bin section yeah, of the COVID yeah. compound. No, they'll, they'll, right. put, they'll put a bin section in, specially at all the venues. Yeah, t- take them round the back of the big metal bins. Write yeah. that down. He's going to his minister, to Matt Hancock. Hancock, you prick. Make yourself useful. Write this down. Big metal bins at every fucking COVID compound, right? Get them round the back, <laughs> all discreet, and then I want any troublemakers to, from me... I want this, my name put to this instruction. Give him a proper fucking shoeing because there is. This is not a time for troublemakers. You gotta get. I want to send a message out. You gotta get your fucking jab, all right, mate, with my fucking right hand. Stand still, you cunt. Uh, go to town on the cunt. Stamp on his fucking bollocks if you have to. Fucking send a message. Send a message to the community. He'll go back to his mates. <laughs> he'll go back to his mates, right? And he'll Word fucking get say, round. don't be fucking about down at the COVID centre because they will fucking do you over, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to be honest, I I don't often agree with Boris, but I'm, I think <laughs> I'm behind him on that. Yeah. Yeah, he's getting things done. Yeah, but I mean, you almost ended up like that. But you were, uh, you kept your yeah, mouth shut. I could have taken a beating. I yeah. could have taken a beating, but I would have accepted that beating. Yeah, fair. Because Reasonable. we're all in this together. Yeah. We're on a war footing. <laughs> if I had to be beaten up, if I had to take one for the team and have my head kicked in at the COVID centre around the back of You'll the bins, do it. fine. And then I'd right, take right. a picture of myself like all those cunts do and stick it on Twitter. I've just had my COVID beating. You know, like they do, <laughs> don't they? <laughs> Look at me! I've had a COVID beating. <laughs> you get a different. People sticker. love doing that. Mm. I yeah. had my head kicked in because I caused a fuss at the COVID centre because I didn't follow the rules and I deserved it. I got confused. I quite forgot liked to confirm it. my appointment, but then acted as if it was their fault. So they beat me up. <laughs> and I think we will call this episode COVID beating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we go we've got the predictions to do same sphere yeah. dial, but it's still going I'm only 17 behind I can still salvage this here we right. go uh, you go first because you're in the lead uh, Leeds versus Manchester United 2-1 Leeds 2-1 to Leeds I'll go the other way I'll go 2-1 to Manchester United uh, Arsenal versus Everton I'll go first uh, Arsenal Everton for... I'm going to go 2-0 to Everton on that one I'll say 1-0 one all, all right. Um, Sunderland versus Accrington Stanley. Which, uh, <laughs> Who is he? What are you laughing uh, at? <laughs> just funny that you have to play Accrington Stanley, who are a team out of a milk advert in the eighties. Of, of a history book, a fictional team. <clears throat> a fictional team, yeah. Who next? Like in Melchester Rovers. <laughs> I'll say uh, that you'll win that two nil. Two nil to Sunderland. Uh, I think we will win it one uh, nil. Um, we go, and then we've got West Ham versus Chelsea. I'll go first on this. Um, oh, tough one, this. I'm sorry, Sam, but I think this is going to be 2-1 to Chelsea. I'm going to say 2-1 West Ham. Okay. Finally, Watford versus Millwall. Uh, I think Watford are pretty much promoted now. What if that has any effect on the result? 2-0 Watford. 
2 0 Watford. I'm going to go 1 1. Uh, that's it then. That's the episode. There it is. It is Simple complete. Thank mm. you very much. Enjoy your weekend and stay safe. Remember to drink plenty of fluids. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.